Crude Audacity Podcast. to the crude audacity podcast the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers i am Catherine mills and before we begin today wherever you are listening from go ahead and leave us a rate and review and of course if you are on youtube click that little button right down there and hit subscribe that way you can stay up to date on all things oil energy and of course the crude audacity And a huge shout out to all of you listeners. I love seeing your engagement, your comments, your shares. Thank you so much for taking the time. I love hearing from you. And I know that our influencers do too. Today, y'all, I have been waiting for this topic. I have been geeking out on this topic because today we address digital disruption in the oil field. Let me paint a picture for you, shall I? The air is crisp and cool. The light is coming over the mountainside and you can hear a rumble in the background because the faces of oil and gas are rising up and it is time to tell our stories and show the world what we can do. So ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by a woman who is not afraid to break the rules, who is paving her own path, and who is unapologetically standing up for oil and energy, the brains behind oil country media, and a pioneer in digital strategy, Kristen Underwood. (laughs) That was absolutely the most wonderful introduction I've ever received. Thank you so much. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I definitely feel very similar feelings towards you and what you're doing right now in the industry. And um, I'm proud to be here. So I am so excited to have you. This is one of my favorite topics. It's such a game changer for our industry. And since we are in a crew change, I mean, it's anyone's game. What I love so much about what you're doing, though, is we have a lot of people playing in this space right now, but not many of them are actually deep in the weeds of oil and gas. Not many are engineers. Um, Not many have family roots in it. They're kind of peripheral. So you bring a really unique flavor to this digital disruption that is oil and energy. And before we jump into all of my questions, because you know, I have quite a few How did you get started? What is the history and how did you evolve to digital strategy? It's so funny because everyone was on Instagram, Instagram, you know, Facebook, and I just didn't, it it didn't appeal to me in the way it did to everyone else. (laughs) So um, when I discovered that I could promote oil and gas on Instagram, where there was no oil and gas at all at the time, I mean, very few and zero women, um, I, I realized that there was an area there that I could play with. And, um, I actually, when I got on the channel to promote, um, a family business, um, I didn't tell anyone I was a female. So, um, I kind of just like, yeah, I just posted, you know, images of pipe yards and our inventory and, 
you know, drilling rigs and I started to grow my page and I just never threw it out there. I mean, I didn't change like my tone of comments or anything, but at one point somebody said something about women and I, you know, I finally said, I'm a woman, hear me roar. <laughs> oh my God. So, um, that was kind of the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, come out and, um, you know, cause it was pretty brutal, um, on there when you're dealing with guys out in the field and trying to post your pictures and you know, <laughs> then finding out I was a female, um, didn't give me much credit. They're like, Oh, you're sitting in an office. You're not out in the field, but there, there is a lot of judgment from the yeah. field. If you are remotely in the office, yeah. even half so, in, half out. you know, I had to kind of straighten a little bit of uh, that out as far <laughs> as, you know, where I come from and what I've experienced in my lifetime and what makes me want to pick up my phone and take a picture and share a picture of a drilling rig yeah. more so than anything else in my life. It's sad. <laughs> I'm like scrolling through my phone. I'm like, drilling rig, drilling rig, child, drilling rig, drilling rig, child, you know? <laughs> so, um, people don't understand the passion of it, but, um, it was really kicked off during the downturn. Um, which one? The, <laughs> the last one. <laughs> and, um, it, when they were letting go a lot of people, uh, the Obama years and, um, we had, um, a lot of, I mean, pages like oil pro that were just abandoned, yeah. and, you know, and they had, um, writers that were signed on to run their communications and their social media. And the approach was a little different. So, um, the, you know, it, it I don't know how quickly people clung to the same kind of medium as far as them telling a story versus, you know, giving shout outs and saying, Hey, I'm really proud of your work and what you're doing out there and, and show me your passion, but you don't have to tell me the whole day story. We can tell real simple and the look on your face, you're covered in oil and mud, yep. you know, and it's a night shift. Like we know what you're going through. And it was interesting because when I would find a picture like that, or someone would send me a picture like that, when I would share it, I realized that that immediately lifted them up because they're out there on a rig alone. God knows where, you know, yeah, and, nowhere. and that's a, that's a hard, the hitch is a hard cycle for these people. So for someone to be appreciating what they're doing and, and to celebrate it and to promote them and, and highlight them and, you know, give them a, you know, thumbs up, be safe out there. It kind of just took a momentum and, um, there were some other oil and gas pages that helped me out at the time, but it was really to kind of push oil forward, be pro energy. Um, I watched all the, I watched a bunch of pages go dead and I felt bad for those companies because they couldn't get back into those accounts. You know, they lost the passwords. So they're just like these stale pages um, with no growth. Mm -hmm. And so once things started kind of picking back up, um, people started reaching out to me on how to like grow their pages and run their media and, and what tips I had. And, you know, I hooked up with some podcasts and um, I started attending uh, events as press and it all was centered around promoting people in the field, you know, in the industry and tying that into my company that I work for as well, which is a family company. So yep. I understand that, term, you know, um, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. And, yeah. um, you know, so, and, and I've seen both sides of it. 
And I'm not sure that most people have seen both sides of the corporate world mm -hmm. and, or at least not grown up in it, where you go from um, someone in your family working in oil and gas and rising up the corporate ladder and then everything falling apart. Yeah. You know, companies merging and high salaries are the first to go. And, you know, so there was a lot of ups and downs. And, and then I saw, um, you know, my family regroup and um, build back up and, and completely change their game plan. And it was something that, you know, was obviously destined to be, but you realize that the big corporations are not exactly all that oil and gas is in the United States. You well, know, it also doesn't represent the, they tend not to represent the voice of oil and gas and all that we accomplish. If anything, no. they try to make it a politically correct environment that makes everything so neutral that you never get a story. You never actually get to see what's happening or hear the, you know, the rise and the fall and everything that we actually provide because right. of the corporate narrative. Right. That's exactly so. And and then there's a disconnect between the corporate world, the service world, the field. And then, I mean, definitely on the independent side, um, a lot of the companies that we work with, service companies, um, threading companies, inspection companies, IPC companies, um, you know, internal plastic coating IPC, um, they're all independently owned, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're independently owned. Um, they've been in it for 20, 30 plus years. There's, um, you know, a, a, a legacy that moves down through it and, um, they're strong and, and they're a huge part of Texas energy and Absolutely. people dismiss that. They, I mean, I know that they know it's out there and I, and, and I know that those companies have accounts with these smaller companies. The larger companies do have accounts with the smaller companies, but um, it's kind of dismissed by the corporate world and the corporate narrative, mm -hmm. you know? And so there's a disconnect on how people network and communicate and even just like events and conferences and stuff. And so I found a way to kind of try to, fill that gap, you know, and approach people that are working on frack pumps at a conference yeah. and interview them and have them show me what's going on and broadcast it live mm -hmm. and connect it to, you know, an audience. And, and those things, it's so interesting because people do want to see that stuff. They, they might not always be able to go to those events, but the fact that they see that they're out there in the field working on that exact same machine and it's being highlighted at a conference and, you know, being talked about and I guess um, exploited, but in a good way mm -hmm. versus in a negative way, <laughs> kind of, you know, inspires people to, to keep on, you know, pushing forward. And, and also it reminds them that they too can do this on an independent level. Absolutely. You know, it's, yeah, it galvanizes them and excites individuals yeah. in industry. And more than anything, showing showing the back end of our industry humanizes us to the rest of the world. Because remember, it was always the big corporate scary narrative of big bad oil. And now you actually get to see inside and see everything that everyone is doing to improve the environment, not just protect it or, you know, make 
places safer, uh, sites safer, fields safer, you know, and elevate and educate their team regardless of their status across the field. These are things you don't learn because they're not talked about. It's always what looks good in the press. And you know what actually looks good in the press? Authentic, honest communication. And that's and, what you brought to our industry. Well, I, I appreciate you saying mm-hmm. that. I, I'm not sure it was necessarily me. I, I think there's a movement for sure. Um, but I, uh, back to what you were saying with how we are green energy. Texas is also the leader of wind energy, you know, and they don't talk about us being the greenest state. They hate us because we're the state with the, you know, the biggest flare formations. Yeah. So, um, but in fact, we are number one in wind energy as well. So, and you know, what's so great about wind energy, huh? You know, what's so great about wind energy, What? it's backed by oil and gas. It is. It would not happen without right. us on the back end. And that's the thing. It's not an alternative energy. Right. It's energy and right. all the parts fit together. Right. It's <laughs> it's an addi- a supplement, maybe an ad- addition. It's a piece of the pie. It's a, okay, that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> but, um, and they do, you know, and there are instances where they leak oil, you know, oh, now, yeah. especially out in the Gulf, but people, <laughs> green energy people won't maybe ever hear that or don't know that, but that is something that happens. They, they do leak oil um, and they endanger uh, wildlife, you know? So those are two cons against wind energy, but we are number one in the state. And I don't think most people know that. No, I don't think so. So. Or in the United States, sorry. (laughs) So how let's, let's go back, right? Let's let's talk about the birth of the corporate narrative. I really think it spun mostly out of the uh, transitions that were happening in the 80s because we don't have a perfect history in this industry. No industry does, um, but it is ours. We embrace it and we have evolved from it. We've learned from it. And if anything, we have paid it forward to other industries because of our ingenuity. So can you sort of talk to us about what you've seen in terms of the adoption of digital and the reluctance of adopting digital across the patch from the super majors down to, you know, the small mom and pop, be it service side or operator side. I think that we're, we're very close to people realizing that, um, you know, I, I hear the term a lot and I don't like it, but I, I like it because it's dinosaurs, you know, <laughs> and fossil fuels. but you know, they always say the old dinosaurs of the industry. Well, if it wasn't for the older brilliant minds, you know, yeah. that are mentoring us now, we might be coming in with some different techniques and like, you know, showing them our mobile phones and they're adapting. <laughs> but I remember there was a conference I was at and it was coming back from, um, a downturn and we were um, doing a networking event and there was this older gentleman outside and he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, he's like, I I got my job back, but it's all millennials and and I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to be okay. But um, from that time to now it's, 
amazing. And I was just um, at a virtual conference for um, the National Association of Steel Pipe Distributors. And one of the questions I asked them was, do you think that COVID has changed the culture mm-hmm. of our industry as far as the whining and dining and the traveling and the networking and the expense accounts? Yeah. Do you think that this has opened our eyes to the fact that, you know, you can do things and connect with people in network kind of on a different level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and do you think that somebody who, you know, might be a CEO of a company who has never done a FaceTime <laughs> is now zooming all the time. And they're like, Oh yeah, now this is no big deal. You know, I'll zoom all day long. And so <laughs> um, I think that, you know, I think that this kind of forced the companies to, adapt and connect to some of the technology that wasn't there. Now going beyond that, um, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be implemented. Um, you work on a lot of data and, mm-hmm. you know, um, software programs and coding and things like that, that, um, AI you discuss a lot, obviously all of those things need to, to be implemented into the industry and it's time for that change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that I think um, a majority of the conferences and the press that I have covered has been the main topic that, you know, it is time to take that leap. And, um, and you know, I don't know about the smaller companies um, needing to do it right away, but I definitely think they need to have some kind of digital strategy to put their name out there. Yes. Um, you know, at least, at least have a, you know, Google my business, <laughs> you know, like start there. But, yeah. um, you know, so it, it's just interesting because there's, there are some companies that don't really even have websites. They might have like a cookie cutter site from mm-hmm. years and years ago. You know, I'm not, I, I created the website for the company I work for, but, um, it is by means, you know, nothing spectacular, but, um, you know, there's really not as much of a need. It w- there wasn't as much of a need for it as there is now, especially with, you know, um, everything having to go virtual. Um, everything kind of was old school oil and gas and old school networking and, and you know, going back to the Rolodex. And, um, <laughs> and it's funny because like you and I have realized it is such a small world. Oh yeah. There are so many different, you know, specialties and um, expertise and, you know, no matter what sector you're in, but there's just, it never fails that it comes full circle. Absolutely. You know, it, it, and that is the most interesting part about oil and gas. And I guess that is a scary part about it too, because your reputation absolutely sticks with you and your, um, your drive and your passion and, and, you know, what your, what your agenda is always goes along. It, it's like your carbon footprint, so mm-hmm. to speak. It's your personal brand. It is your personal brand. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I started promoting, um, in, you know, the field, I started promoting the things that we did. Um, anytime we were in a pipe yard or we were, um, at a coding facility or we were just, uh, checking up on inventory, you know, mm-hmm. um, at the mills, or I wanted to see how pipe was actually created, not just 
which is really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it is so cool. And everyone, every time it's just as cool as the last time because everyone has their own techniques and their own way that they do heat treatment and their Mm -hmm. own, you know, theories on the way to meet, you know, the standards and the hardness tests and things like that. So, um, you learn a lot and a lot of things came to Houston at the same time. So I was like, literally like in the middle of all of this stuff and I can't put my camera down and yeah. I can't quit posting. So it turned into this. <laughs> I love it though, because I mean, you have a huge following and I know it's not about you. It's about spreading the word of the oil field and the stories behind it, which is also huge in and of itself. But what you're really doing is you're connecting different parts of the oil patch that otherwise wouldn't have gotten to see each other from country to country, uh, team to team, and really just kind of showing behind the scenes and what it's like on a hard hitch, as you said, or on a day off, or, you know, here is something like a drill rig and it's not scary. And, you know, this terrible thing that everyone thinks is going to give them nosebleeds. It's actually a really cool piece of equipment doing extraordinary things. And I think that that is the power of social media because at first, you know, you were limited to just your word of mouth and now word of mouth is global. Right. That's the, I mean, the fact that you can honestly reach out to anyone at any time is an amazing tool that, you know, needs to be used. Uh, A lot of people are scared of it and they might not know how to approach it, but that's also the same problem is there's so many really big companies and so many powerful networks that don't have a following that don't have engagement and they're huge companies. You would think that they would have that figured out, you know, and I'm not saying I could figure it out for that specific company, mm-hmm. but it really is something you've got to tailor mm-hmm. to yourself. And it's, it's a, it's a risk all the time. You know, it, it, you have to put something out there and, and see how it's, how it's going to be received. Well, to that point, you know, I wanted to ask you when someone sits down with you, one of your clients, um, I know I've been in this position a few times where help me build a digital strategy. What am I going to get out of it? What is an actual digital strategy? I'm not selling anything. I'm an operator. And what I tell them is one, you need to build your own data bank. Everything is oversaturated and that can be your best friend or your worst enemy. So stay in your lane and build your own data set so that you can understand what your ROI is. And then also have some defined goals because even for a small company, you need to be willing to have some sort of transparency for say an ESG measurement. You need to be able to show that communication, that willingness to be a good steward, a good neighbor. And then for the big guys who, I mean, they center everything around marketing teams and we'll get into that a little bit, but you know, it doesn't pay to be silent. You can't hide anymore. So you need to have a voice and that could be a limited voice or it could be one that's constant, (laughs) but you need to come up with your plan. So I'm curious how you kind of define digital strategy for your teams and what that has evolved over the time for you. Well, it's hard to actually get a team that is all on the same page or has the same passion about it. Mm -hmm. Number one. So it really, I think it comes down from like getting the leader 
of the company or the leader of the team or, you know, to back you up on that strategy. But um, the most important thing is to tell your brand, to show how you're connecting to the community. Um, Like you mentioned, an operator, Mm -hmm. they might not feel, I mean, and and some things need to kind of be protected, you know, especially oil and gas, you know, there's, you don't really want everyone to know exactly where you are. And that's why they kind of keep, you know, or try to keep track on what their employees are posting. You know, there's all kinds of social media rules and, um, and things of that nature. I think it's kind of chilled out a little bit when they're realizing that um, it's user generated content that's promoting their company. Yeah. As long as it's not in a negative, you know, tone. Um, and for some companies that, I've represented and ran their media. I've definitely had to go back and, um, you know, remove some things from people coming in and making comments or ex employees, you know, so things like that happen, but that's exactly why you want social media management because, you know, you need to make sure that someone's looking out for your brand, um, that is on social media, but you want to make sure that you're sending a message out about who you are, and how you're actually benefiting the community being an oil and gas company, because people have no idea what oil actually does for Mm -hmm. their community, their schools, you know, I mean, their medical, um, you know, equipment. I mean, they don't even realize how much of our stuff could not exist, including batteries to solar panels, (laughs) you know, without oil. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where, you want to support the green efforts. I always celebrate Earth Day with a big oil rig anyway, because it comes from the earth. I don't get why people don't get that. <laughs> earth Day. Okay. But, um, you know, I, I do want to support, you know, the best technologies and stuff. And that I think that's more along your line on, you know, being an engineer of knowing where it's evolved and, you know, what things have been introduced into the industry that um, are changing how we do everything versus, I mean, just with, you know, fracking and Mm -hmm. oil sands and, you know, things like that. So um, those are, they used to think that all of the oil and the premium was gone, you know, and they they just found out that like a independent family owned company just found like the biggest play out in the premium basin here recently that's been discovered and, and people were saying it was over, you know, so I don't buy into it's going to be gone in this amount of time. You know, I think that we're going to have a little bit of um, time for all of the geniuses out there to recreate ways to, to pull it from the earth. And, and I honestly don't believe that there's anything that's going to compare to oil and, and gas as far as energy and, and a quality of, of life. I mean, maybe one day I'm not going to say never, but I don't, I don't understand what it could possibly be. To your point, you have to understand that better. You have to understand where that line of questioning and uh, I guess marketing and rhetoric and gaslighting actually came from. Right. Um, but that's just it. To your point, those that oppose industry are using these digital methods and before it was digital, they were using these grassroots methods to communicate gaslighting headlines and they stuck. And why we never adopted that 
I mean, there is a push across the industry for more transparency. And that's the beauty of telling the stories, because that is one of the lines into transparency. But why we didn't push back and say, hold the phone, let me make it clear. It's beyond me. And what I'm noticing with the corporate narrative is that it has, instead of pushing your company's message, the company is adopting the message of the employees. This is why I'm proud to be here. This is why I wake up. This is why I think this is cool and like the data and want to go get my hands dirty and, you know, earn that next color hat from the green on up. You know what I mean? Like people are proud of their 14, 16 hour work days. And instead of pushing someone else's incredibly polished message, tell it like it is and make sure you're not setting yourself up to be sued. I mean, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> So I am curious, your primary platform seems to be Instagram. Why yes. Instagram? Um, They're not oil friendly. None of it is. None Twitter, it. you know, LinkedIn is, I think, but I think it's just because we're in that network. Um, but um, no, no, no one's oil friendly. And you're completely right. They were one up on us the whole time on um, trashing the industry. Mm -hmm. And finally, I mean, I thought it was the coolest thing. I don't know if you're, um, you know, if you're familiar with frack feed. The first time I saw frack feed, I was like so ecstatic. I mean, <laughs> I literally like, I, I, I was like, yes, someone finally gets it. But, and I apologize for this, but it was a picture of Miley Cyrus. And it was around the time that she, you know, had done her um, MTV crazy stuff. And um, she had, you know, real short hair and a tank top, maybe wrecking ball time. And um, they're like, you know, oil and gas has done this for, you know, America. And it was, and it was like, what exactly has Miley Cyrus done? And I just thought, you know, that is so amazing that they're using like pop culture and connecting it to oil and gas and making a point, you realize how ridiculous it is that people are obsessed with Hollywood and anti-fracking and anti-energy, you know, but they're flying around in private jets and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're doing what, you know, running energy on all three of their homes. And I guarantee <laughs> you they're not taking cold baths, you know? No. So, no. <laughs> um, yeah. And so when I saw that um, some of these organizations were coming in with, you know, this new way to approach uh, the, you know, the fractivists and things like that, <laughs> I realized that we were in the right, you know, we were moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but those are all organizations that are tied to, you know, government um, regulations and, um, and, you know, the Texas Railroad Commission and stuff like that. So they're also kind of putting their message out there, but they're not necessarily companies that are promoting themselves, you know, and getting business in that respect of being, you know, like a pipe company or um, a surveying company or a pipeline business. And um, so I eventually just started reaching out to other people, landmen, um, like gateway um, pipeline out of Edmond, Oklahoma. 
anyone that was on social media and just putting their information out and they may have not had like a following or they may not have had um, an any idea of what they were going towards. Yeah. We kind of just kind of pulled together and started retweeting each other and helping each other out. Um, but I migrated to Instagram um, because I found a way to funnel all my stuff to um, an organic page. So I bought into, you know, the whole motivation um, Instagram quote thing that's, you know, blown up. You even see them on LinkedIn now um, from Instagram. But um, I fell into that um, network and I played around a little bit with some of the um, memberships and some of the underground um, marketing and engagement groups and things like that that I thought were selling um, ebooks to help people out and move forward in life. And you know, I was about to say, what do you think of engagement groups and those underground networks on? I mean, it is like. It's, I can't even explain it unless I showed you, but the people that I have showed, they're like, what? But um, they're really, they pull, um, and it's a smart idea. It just went in the wrong direction um, as far as I was concerned. So, but they literally are motivational groups that bring you out of the Instagram platform, put you on some kind of, um, you know, messaging group system and you start chatting with these people and you start sharing posts and um, motivational posts and you edit and people give you like free logos and like, you know, anything that these kids that are very eager to like grab onto something in life to learn to do mm -hmm. um, and they're creative and talented, um, they somehow funneled all these people in to where, I mean, I'm not kidding you hundreds of people were on these chats all day long and you would create these spreadsheets of shout outs and they're like, shout, you know, at this time you shout this page out and then this page will shout you out. And that sounds exhausting. It, yes, it was, but I did it to, to feel it out. Yeah. I knew that I needed to grow my page. So, um, but they were all anti-oil and gas and, um, they kind of discouraged me in that method. But what I found out was a majority of it wasn't real. They were, like um, accounts. well, they had, a, you know, they had 35, 36 accounts on a server oh. that, you know, that maybe had like three posts on it that they roll out and follow you. And then if you, and, you know, and there's programs out there too, where you can, they're not necessarily like, it's not an app where you get on your phone and buy followers, but you have a program that you log all your stuff into and you put down, you know, who you think your competitors are and you have an auto response on your messages. They send out um, anything that you want at any time, as far as what you're selling, what, you know, um, if you're going live, you know, all these things that seem to be okay but you're actually setting them up to follow and unfollow accounts. So um, you'll, you'll set like a rule. If this account doesn't follow me back, I will unfollow them. So you have like a certain amount that you can do in an hour, right? Okay. And it just goes on a full cycle. 
So when I realized that all of these accounts were doing this and this and, you know, <laughs> back and forth, um, and then I started realizing where some of these accounts were leading. Um, I didn't want kids sending me money anymore for me to post their content so they could grow their pages. I wanted to take all of my pages, some of them I purchased, but I wanted to take all of them and funnel them to oil and gas. And mm -hmm. I was going to do what they told me I couldn't do. And I didn't give, you know, I just didn't care if they didn't see that it was all going to be oil and gas eventually. Yeah. And so um, instead of having these rules of what you could post and how many hours you could post apart and, you know, all this stuff. And I mean, there's some, there's some legit magazines and pages that are all validated on Instagram that run these kind of, um, you know, promotions where you pay like uh, maybe $80 for three posts or something. Mm -hmm. And you might make the post and it's just a, 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 a quote on a picture and then you post it and you get paid, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'll do that on the side. Yeah. And <laughs> then I realized that, um, you know, these kids were, were being taught through these eBooks to create websites and to do things, but they weren't something that I felt was worthy of my time. And, mm -hmm. um, they weren't, oil related. That's for sure. <laughs> but, um, so I, you know, I, I realized that I, that I wasn't even going to play in that space mm -hmm. and I just changed everything to oil and gas and I completely left in and, and I'm, they're not, they notice they're not happy about it. Um, <laughs> you know, but, um, I, I just constantly post rigs and, and, um, and I don't care if it messes up their hashtags. Like, so, <laughs> you know, I don't, care. I love it. <laughs> So you've played in podcasts, you've been on all the social channels, you understand the stats and the strategy behind most. And if one thing I can tell people is that the you're never going to figure out the algorithm, you're never going to beat it, it changes weekly. So stop trying. But what is something when you're looking at these media groups, when you're looking at these companies who are wishing to engage with uh, energy influencers, let's call them, Okay. What questions are not being asked? They, you know, they look at follower count, but no one ever seems to question engagement. Well, engagement's interesting because if you really look at genuine engagement, it's never very high. I mean, it, I think it falls between like, honestly, like two, two to 5% mm -hmm. is what you can expect of real engagement on a post over time that you know, increases, but for an immediate post within like a certain amount, you know, maybe an hour, you're not going to get, if you post and you've got a thousand likes within, you know, six minutes, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not real. It's no, it's not, you know, and, um, and you pick up over 40,000, 50,000 followers and less well, than I've, I've been not part real. of all that. I mean, I had, um, I had a oil and gas page that I was convinced to change to a, um, a motivational page. And I got, I was getting legitimate likes doing really well on engagement. I tried to see what this group was doing. You know, I always, I always take the risk. 
wanted to see what it was like. And people don't like that. Like they, they, they see right through it, at least genuine people. They yeah. don't want to like a post that all of a sudden got a thousand likes in three seconds or they'll just pass you by, you know? So I realized once those likes and, and I got all this for free, I don't even know how I maneuvered my way into this, but um, I got them to, to show me how it all worked for free. And then I was like, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I'm going to, I'm going to go this way with, with mm -hmm. oil and gas. And um, I completely started um, oil country media organic. I still have other pages that have legitimate followers that I use as, you know, um, uh, a funnel. And then I have a one for our family company that um, that one I like babysit and I'm like, I'm not going to hurt you, you know, <laughs> it's so important to me. Um, so I, I definitely try to keep that one very clean. And just because of the fact that, you know, you don't really own these pages. No, that's and, just you know, it. And People that's don't scary. realize you don't own your following. If the site wants to remove your following, yeah. if they want to clean up, if yeah. they want to push the algorithm, you don't own that. So I no. actually encourage my groups um, that I am working with to build email lists and really engage in email content, not to the point of oversaturation, but a constant communication stream. Because if everything went dark tomorrow, you still own that Excel where you house all those emails one way or the other. Right. And that's really the only true ownership you have in social media. Hell, YouTube can delete any page at once at any given time. Right. Well, they all do, uh, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's exactly right. As long as you can find a way but for me, I, I didn't want to take the data that I got and use it to like, you know, sell it mm -hmm. or exploit it. Yeah. Um, and, and people do do that. People sell data. And um, I know that because one of the um, pages on Instagram that, I mean, it's, it, it's, they're created in other countries and then they're pushed out and they're sold. And, these pages, you know, you'll see like my account was hacked, you know, up yeah. on the profile and you know, right then that that's a bot. That is a, an account that was created somewhere else. And it's just a dead account that will be active for, you know, maybe about a week and then it just drops or eventually falls off. But, um, these accounts, I saw where, I saw where these big, networks and they're making they were making money from these mm -hmm. poor little kids <laughs> charging a membership fee and every month with this membership fee you get like two thousand followers um and it was you know uh, i i don't want to call anyone out but it's the whole um you know quantity over quality well it, it and it you know it's just like the the men's quotes and the gentlemen's <laughs> quotes and you know, all the ones that where you see, um, you know, the shock was, ones, you yeah. said it, you, you, you put it out there for shock value, but really what happened was you're an ass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I, I, I took it, I, I took all the tools and I was like, you know, writing them down on the list. And I was like, I'm going to use all of this, but in a completely different way. And, um, and then that was kind of where my design came in and, and to connect with people that have podcasts, um, that 
are publications that, you know, might be one of the biggest publications in oil and gas, but have like 200 followers on Instagram, you know, which doesn't line up. So, um, you know, and, and I think now a lot of companies are starting to use Instagram, but, um, Instagram is so powerful with Google and um, it is the way to put your company out there for free and not pay for Google ads. Exactly. And um, that's where I, I just kind of just saturated, um, you know, Instagram. Now it's caught up. Oil and gas is there. Thank goodness. Um, I know. Right. It's, it's out there. And I don't know if all the pages are real. Um, (laughs) They're not. (laughs) I've blocked a million of them (laughs) because they're trying to sell me t-shirts and this and that. And, and, um, you know, I'm like, you know, that, that's not why I'm we here. Have <laughs> now, of course, I do have t-shirts for sale too, <laughs> but, um, I'm not emailing you every day about them. So, um, you know, there's, there's different routes that people take, but there's also a lot of, um, of oil and gas professionals that have like these side skills that are promoting, you know, their side business on Instagram as well. And so um, that inspired me too, because it it is very honestly, like a genuine group of people. Um, Every industry has good and bad, but overall oil people um, love their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. They love promoting what they do. And once they get to a point where they, you know, I mean, you can always go more, but once they get to a point where they're, you know, happy with their knowledge, their expertise and the, um, the respect that they're given, they are, I mean, they're your best ambassador, you know, they're your best, um, you know, promoter. And if they're sharing good things on, you know, your company, it's, it's about time to allow them to do so under certain guidelines, but there definitely has to be some rules. Um, smaller companies can kind of get away with it a little bit more, but I mean, if you're going to an event, you, you and you, if you're sponsoring an event, you're going to an event, you need to post that you're there. Absolutely. You need to show you need to your team. What you're providing, what yes. you're doing, how you're connecting. But yes. to that point, we see some of these bigger companies with marketing teams and they put out all of this information, all these flyers, this is how much money we've raised for the community. And one thing that people don't give a shit about are statistics and numbers. So, you know, I'm of the opinion you cannot properly promote the oil field unless you are really in the mix of it. You know, I actually believe that because we have such an intricate industry. So where do you think marketing teams need help and how can digital do that? I haven't found a marketing team that connects to social media. I I, honestly, well, they might have an amazing video um, (laughs) highlighting like a boating trip, you know, um, a fundraiser, (laughs) but that video, once it's posted on their Facebook page, doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not making their company share it. People. And that's the weirdest thing about it is you have to, I heard this quote yesterday and it was like, 
I mean, it just a light went off because this is exactly what is wrong. You like, if you're going to brand yourself or you're going to promote a brand, you have to constantly promote it, toot your own horn. Yeah. Because if you don't toot your own, like if you don't toot your own horn, the band's not going to show up to play with you. Mm -hmm. so you really have to like put your energy out there and promote what you love and be supportive and not care about the people that are going to come and all the trolls that are going to comment and trash you because they're going to. Oh, they yeah. Love it. yeah. I've done this for a year and trust me, they will find you. You need to realize that it's not emotional. It is no. business. Mm -hmm. um, people respond to it. And that's why social media is so powerful is because the first 20 seconds that you see an image you have an emotional response to it immediately before oh. your brain can even catch up to the words that's being presented. You have an emotional trigger. So when you see something that catches your interest or your desires or your needs or is inspiring to you, there's an emotional pull from it. But if you're running social media and you're the emotional one, you're going to lose on it because people are there to, you know, I mean, there's trolling groups. Um, yeah. They, there's actually groups that are paid to harass yeah, you. Yeah. They're paid to, to harass you and they do it and they yeah. do it very well. So, um, you know, you just have to like not care anymore, but that also disconnects you with every, all your friends and family and people you love <laughs> because they're like, I'm like, no, I didn't see your feed because I was too busy, you know, on mine. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, I, you know, I love y'all, but um, you know, and so you have to explain that it's it's designed for one thing, and that's to promote your company and and to promote the industry and and um, your friends from third grade don't care about your oil and gas posts. No, they don't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> They're like snooze. <laughs> So one of my wrap up questions, just understanding the stats, the engagement versus followers, what to look for and how management teams, decision makers, when they're kind of tossing that around. Yeah, we want to make this leap to digital. We want our company to have a voice or to have its voice better positioned. What sort of ROIs can be expected from social media, from podcasting? I mean, Again, you have to build your own data bank, but some people think that they're going to jump on YouTube and become YouTube stars just because it's a $58 billion a day business. And I'm sorry, but not all of us are that interesting. That's just the long and short of it. So what can be expected when a company decides to engage with a digital strategist? It depends on the digital strategist. You know, um, One but, in industry. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it, it depends on, it, de it depends on how far they're willing to go and, and how scared they are of putting themselves out there. But, um, I really think it's tailored to each company. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think that you could, you really have to find where a company's pain points are, and then you have to find where, you know, what they do is inspiring, um, sets them apart and you have to highlight that you have, you know, and you have to make, um, for example, a video of 
threading, um, you know, on, on a casing joint. Um, interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's interesting, but I love it, but you have to find a way to make it interesting and it's gotta be raw. You know, mm -hmm. it can't be something that's like a, a, a PowerPoint lesson to where you're, you know, it, it has to be like in the moment and raw. Um, and, and, you know, and I did have this conversation, um, at the NSAPD conference as well. I I've actually mentioned them twice now. So, <laughs> um, I hope that you deserve a raise. Um, but, uh, that was one of the things that we were talking about too, because, um, it doesn't have to always be this huge, um, perfect picture, um, you know, that took three months to approve and exactly you know, all in, and all this, it, it, it could just be walking out to your yard. It could, you know, it, yeah. it could be showing, um, just your team sitting down at a luncheon, you know, um, a day in the life, man. Yeah, I mean, literally it's just getting coffee in the morning and one of your customers dropping off breakfast and giving mm -hmm. them a shout out and then a thank you. I mean, it's little things like that, that kind of humanize it and, and make you, um, interesting and, and human and kind and, um, you know, a page that they maybe like want to come back to and check out, but you also have to not be all about yourself. You have to realize that it is about, um, you know, connecting people and, and highlighting what people do because, um, they don't get a lot of that, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that are experts at what they do and they work day in and day out, but, um, they don't, they don't get admired for their work from the outside as much as they probably should. And mm -hmm. that really keeps um, people inspired. And, and I found that it is not a hard thing to do to get someone to tell you about their equipment, tell you yeah. how they run it, tell you what it does. You know, um, they're very proud of that. So, well, yeah, I mean, pride is real. Again, when you're spending 14 to 16 hours a day working, I don't care if it's behind a desk or in a field or on a rig, you are doing that and you're not doing that without passion. There's yeah. something that, I mean, yes, your family is probably your primary motivator, but there is something more there. There's something that excites you right. about that role and responsibility. And that is the new corporate narrative, in my opinion. Oh yeah. And I hope that, I hope that that stays that way because, um, there's a lot of nine to five workers too, you know, yeah. that they're like, I'm in and I'm out and, and I'm off work. But that kind of comes back to the point where I connect with um, your story a little bit more because, um, you know, growing up in an oil and gas family, you realize that it, there's no nine to five. Like, yeah. It's like, what? Not I mean, not that's like home <laughs> every night, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's something that, um, you lose sleep over, you wake up in the middle of the night over, you fix whatever you have to fix to get it right, to make your customers happy. Yeah. Um, and, and it's on you. And if you have that in you, you know, it, it needs to be celebrated and, and you can learn from every single person in this industry because they've all been through something that, you know, will give you insight on how you can handle something down the road. And, and that's, I just like to pick people's brains, um, and find out how they went through it. But 
And their stories are long. They're never like, I started here and I ended up here the same place. It is like this, you know, story (laughs) of like ups and downs and, um, you know, mountains and valleys and, you know, and and it's it's, passion. It's passion. That's passion. It's passion. And we should be using it more. So, well, on our closing question, there's no barrier to entry in social media. And if someone takes the time, reviews the data and really digs into what works and how to build a data bank for their individual clients, I mean, would you recommend anyone and everyone getting into podcasting, getting into social media? I mean, everyone thinks they're going to do it and get rich. And I don't think that should be the motivation behind it because it's not the case. <laughs> Sorry my, to burst your bubble. <laughs> my 11-year-old son sure does. You know, when um, someone's looking to build their their group, their awareness, uh, their, their footprint, what's your advice to them? I mean, you have to do it. I mean, you just, you, if you have a story to tell, or if you have a message or you are intrigued at all. I mean, I remember I would like, look, you know, I would, I would see these conferences and I would see people post like a picture of being at a conference. Um, and I would think, gosh, there's so much more to tell, you know, but that picture is so powerful. And, um, that right there is what, captured like me to like move forward with promoting people at these events or going to sites and promoting people um or being at an event and seeing a schlumberjay uh guy walk by in his overalls and me grab him and say can i interview you (laughs) and he's like me i'm like yeah and he's like how about i take you out on our our new rig i'm like okay you know so I wrapped up my team and we left our booth yeah. and we went to a drilling rig and we learned about, you know, this new dual rig that Summer J had in West Texas out there that no one had seen yet. And it had been moved from somewhere else and it had only been run a few times, but it was like this huge deal. And it was because I was at a corporate event and I saw someone in overalls and I wanted to talk to him, you know, yeah. and and that's kind of where I feel like it's, it kind of really needs to come like from the bottom up versus the top down. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to go and you want to hear CEOs talk and you want to hear um, their projections and their insight and, um, you know, what their operating costs are and, and how they can stay within budget and still make a profit um, and how their relationships with their service companies might need to be changed, but also become more loyal because they're trying to stay within, you know, a certain price. Um, And all of those things matter, but you also have to pay attention to who's doing it Mm -hmm. and who's on, you know, who's on the rigs and who's out there all night long and, 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 uh, and give them a little bit of appreciation. And and I feel like there's that disconnect and I, and I've always just wanted to kind of like bring that, you know, together and allow that to be where we kind of, kind of, we mesh as an actual um, industry because there's just, and then, you know, and then if you want to throw in gender on there, you know, there's obviously 
way more um, men. It's kind of exhausting, women. honestly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but I mean, overall, it, it's kind of just like not being, not being stuck up about, you know, your, your position and your, your status. Um, yeah. And your expense account, like, um, <laughs> you know, like remember how to network and remember what it's really about. It's not just a leg, a luxury trip to go to a conference and, you know, and, and not pay attention to the booths and the people that are there. And that was kind of one of the things I noticed was, you know, at OTC, I walked by a booth one time and there's just this guy and he's like this the whole time and on his cell phone. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and like, he's got a, a nice booth. I mean, and they're not cheap, you know, but I'm like, man, if I posted this, you'd be in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but instead I'm like, hi, what's your name? You know, what, what you know, do you mind? And I'm going to tag you and your boss is going to think you're doing, you know, you're cool. You're <laughs> out there because I'm here as press. And, um, but then there's other people that like literally like want to just tackle you and tell you everything that they have. And, um, and then you push it on social media and you might get more views uh, that way than you would at the actual conference. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I just, I found that there was a way to come into, you know, this area and, um, make my mark, mm -hmm. but also highlight and interview and promote the people that are doing this week to week because they don't go to these. It's not like once a year they go to these. Mar I mean, these, these marketing teams are hitting the road and going, you know, all over the country. And, um, I, and they kind of all over time are the same people. So it's yeah. like, Hey, Bill, hey Bob, you know, I'm setting their tents up and they're hoping <laughs> on good traffic, but if you can actually set up an interview and post it on Instagram, connect to their pages and give them a little bit of a spotlight, they really appreciate it. And it wouldn't take much for them to do that for themselves, you know? Right. So, yeah. So I think that people are coming into doing that, but I, I do think that people are scared of it. I think the oil and gas industry was a little scared of, of going that, that way. And, um, it, I don't know if it was because of, um, you know, the anti oil and gas campaigns or what, um, if they were worried that they were going to be trashed on social media and, and the trolls were going to come out and get them and all that stuff. Um, or if they just didn't want to have to monitor what was being put out, but, um, they literally had stale accounts and that's the first thing people do when they hear a company name, they, they, Google you or they look you up on Instagram. So, or they listen to a podcast. They, they absolutely listen to a podcast. <laughs> well, Kristen, what is next for oil country media? I mean, you really have taken these platforms by storm. People can find you on Facebook, Instagram. You are on Twitter. I see you on LinkedIn. I mean, you've really left no rock unturned. So where are you headed? You know, it's funny because that's changed a little bit here and there. Um, but I, I, you know, I really enjoy um, covering conferences and connecting through um, that medium. Uh, I miss the live shows. There's really nothing like it. Um, you can absolutely make your way to 
talk to whoever you want. If you, I know. you know, if, if you're like, like you always say, they can't ignore me if I'm in front of them. Exactly. Um, and they so try, that, but they don't succeed. Yeah. They know that I, uh, so, um, you know, uh, there's that. And a, a lot of people are shy or, or go to these events and, and don't know how to kind of like take charge of it, but you can, you can really do that. And I feel like social media allows you to connect to the events as well and, and promote it. And it helps both the conference and the company um, to do so. But the ROI part that you, you know, have asked about. And I am fascinated by the ROI. Well, I, I, I think it's kind of like, I mean, it really is a funnel. Um, but the ROI comes from all different ways. I mean, for me personally, it's, it's come in on a lot of different ways. And I definitely have had a lot more return than I have on investment. As far as in the beginning, I did certain things that I thought were like huge things because I'm spending my own money, my own paychecks. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, um, you know, conservative on this. And immediately those were returned. So mm -hmm. I realized that I didn't have to like focus so much on getting what I put out back, but for companies that are trying to get their product out there, um, you know, be heard, have mm -hmm. a hashtag that matters, um, <laughs> you know, create a podcast on their own from the inside team. Um, you know, all of that literally leads to sales leads, to phone calls. Oh, to absolutely. New, to new it's reputational marketing. If your name is out there, yeah. they will come because if you're establishing yourself as a subject matter expert yeah. and you are a good neighbor, you're not leading with a hard sell, you're leading with expertise. It's worth they're looking for you. I mean, they're, they're searching for you, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, and, and that's kind of where, where people don't understand that. I mean, I get more junk mail from my contact form on a website, you know, from uh, sometimes I don't even know what the message is saying, I'm like, yeah. but um, I get more benefit from people seeing me on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn just from posts than I do um, from any time I've ever paid for an ad or, you know, uh, paid for Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, I've done promos on all that, but um, you literally do connect to people um, by pushing your own content out or pushing other people's content out, but it has to be too from your personal page. It can't always be from a company PowerPoint presentation mm -hmm. type format because it's people boring. Part of it. But yeah. you also, if you have a large company, you absolutely have to have a rule that your your employees share your content. You know, oh, yeah. it's footprint upon footprint. Why would you not? Well, and they they don't. You know, I mean, they they post and there's like a few likes and then you know that's it. But you you really need to have everyone kind of on the same you know page, and that's the hardest part. Yeah, that's the hardest part is getting everybody on the same page. So it may be that there is somebody that says, okay, this content needs to, or this content needs to be made by a certain amount of time. And then there needs to be like a main 
strategist who's looking at analytics and pushing things out and playing with it because it, it needs to be tweaked on its own. It, it's not do this, do that. And you're going to grow, you know, yeah. you really have to like try to connect think. to um, people that are in your industry related to your industry, you know, um, used to be in your industry and still have contacts. You don't really want a foodie following, you know, it, it's not going to help. Exactly. So, you know, and that's why some of the like fake followers and, and, and those things, you know, if it looks, the numbers look good, it might make someone who doesn't understand data and what's out there. Um, it might impress someone, you know, for a moment, yeah. but over time when, you know, they make a post and there's like 30,000 followers and not one like on it, you know, I mean, there has to be one of those 30,000 fans that likes your, you know, post, but exactly someone, someone will pay I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so it's, and it's scary. And I think people get discouraged because they put them themselves out there and it's like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, maybe like six or seven people like your, your post and you don't really know how to get other people to reshare your content. You don't know how to get other people to tag you. You don't know how um, to get people to want you to share their posts. You know, you, you can run contests, you can, you know, do giveaways and, and all of those still will only get you so far. I think yeah. But um, I, you know, I, I think it's kind of a personal a person, like you say, it's a, it's a passion and you have to like, literally, you can't just have a marketing team that's saying, okay, I'll make your PDFs. I'll, you know, I'll make you a flyer. It, you know, does this boat look nice here for this tournament? But you really need to have someone that's like in the industry, going to these events, knows the language, knows how to connect to the people and cares about the event yeah cares about not, the yeah not just to make it look pretty on a pdf and it's all shiny and glossy <laughs> and beautiful but somebody who actually is saying this is what's behind the event this is how long the event's been around this is how the event started back in the you know 80s with these oil guys this is how long it you know they've been do donating to shriners hospital and you know and, and it, just things like that to remind people what oil and gas be proud of that. If you, if you can get on podcasts like yours and you can have the, the, uh, you know, the owner of the company, the president of the company, um, you know, the leading sales rep, if you can have them talk to an audience and explain who they are and put their name out there and then take that content and promote it as well. Mm -hmm because they're promoting themselves and their passion, you know? And so that's kind of where people, they don't want to toot their own horn and they need to. Yeah. Or they're going to be waiting for that band to show up. <laughs> I love that quote. If you're passionate and you have passion, be proud of it. Yeah. What is a book podcast or other resource that has helped you along your journey that you would recommend? Um, I would like to think that I've helped people um, as well. 
but I had to learn, you know, the hard way and everyone thinks I'm crazy. They're like, who's this girl that's constantly posting all the time, you know? <laughs> but um, I worked my way up to developing relationships with people that I admired um, through social media, through uh -huh. um, taking their picture, asking if I could post it, um, highlighting it. Um, but I mean, there's, there's, there's so many people that, definitely have inspired me. I, I will not say that I've followed anyone's path for me or anyone's um, strict rules. If, if that is put in front of me, I have a hard time because I know that I need to adjust as much as the privacy policies and the alarm. <laughs> Those uh, are just guides. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I mean, Pink Petro, um, she, Katie Maynard was very um, influential as far as letting women know that they can be proud of it. I've been mentioned in uh, Katie, Katie Maynard's book, Grow With a Flow. Which is so cool. It is really cool. And it was a complete surprise. Um, you know, so thank you. And then um, Ryan Ray also mentioned me in the acknowledgments of- um, What's his podcast? His is Texas. Well, he's got a few, but um, it's Global Energy Media and it's Texas okay. Oil and Gas Podcast. Um, he's a, <laughs> I'll he's, be sure to link them as shout outs. Yeah, he's a he's a great human being, but he has a he has a book out there too about careers in oil and gas. And I mean, it is like from the you know every sector from the beginning to the end, everything you could do as a career in oil and gas. Um, and it's literally a guide for someone who's looking to get into it or is in it and looking to move up, excel. And, um, you know, he's uh, in the pipeline industry as well. What's that um, book called? Um, it's literally called Careers in the Oil and Gas Industry. Okay. Um, mostly uh, Jackie Daly uh, being on her, her podcast. Um, that was probably the podcast that I was on that had views that, it was uh, the highest listened to podcast that she had. Um, That's so awesome. That, that meant a lot to me because that was about Texas Energy Day and um, what my purpose was and, and why I was going to that event and um, going live, you know, just picking up my cell phone and not having like all this professional gear. I mean, it's funny when I'm at a heart energy conference and I'm standing next to like, the professional photographer who's amazing. Thank God he's like so nice to me because I'm standing there with my iPhone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Kristen, thank you so much for all that you have done for oil and gas. Thank you for all you're doing. I am so thrilled to see where oil country media is going because I know you have some really cool things in the works. And really, thank you from a digital perspective because the pioneer efforts that you made to really bring this to industry, I mean, you were one of the first and you were most definitely the first female to do so. And I don't think that we would be accepting uh, digital and the way we're seeing now without your efforts. So thank you so much for taking the time today. I love picking your brain and I can't wait to get you back to talk about like back end stats. Well, you're really kind and, um, and, and I'm, I'm very proud of what you're putting out there too, because you're definitely deserving of what you're doing. I mean, you're pulling things from all over and I can't even imagine, uh, where you're going to go. But, um, that being said, I do want you to come live on my Instagram page. 
Oh, fun. Fun today. Um, so I know you've got like 85 interviews lined up. I, I think you've interviewed more people than I've ever known anyone to do. I, I, it's, <laughs> it's obvious that you love it so much and you're very good at it. Um, I definitely want you on there and um, just kind of, you know, back and forth and, you know, and talking to everyone. I mean, there's not, there's a lot that you have to offer. You don't really talk about, I mean, you do, but you could highlight who you are as, as far as an engineer oh. <laughs> on your, on your Instagram page a lot more, I think. Oh, well, thank you. I, I will definitely take that advice because you are the Instagram guru. So oh, all right. well, fabulous. <laughs> I cannot wait for a live session and just thank you again for being you. You are a rock star. You too, Catherine. Thank you.